And welcome to the Sports Desk. We have got Pitch Invaders. Dusty Martin has got his third Brownlow. Third Norm Smith. Night Grand Give him finals. the Brownlow. Give him another yeah, Brownlow. Just because he, he, he just deserves it. Just give him everything. Just <laughs> sink at him. <laughs> the AFL 2020 season is over. My name's Caleb Scanlon. I'm joined by Tal Sardoni. You're listening to the Sports Desk. Tal, we are recording this on a Friday. We'll jump into a quick break before we talk about uh, it. It's definitely a Sunday, Caleb. <laughs> Wowee. <laughs> um, my apologies, but um, give me your thoughts from yesterday's grand final. Give it to me. Very succinct and short and sharp headline-grabbing take. I would have been sad that the Cats lost except Dusty. <laughs> that's, that's basically how I felt yesterday. I was uh, well aboard the Cats train. Um, and I, I, there was a moment there in the third quarter when, when I thought that I was going to be disappointed for the rest of the night, and then one man saved my AFL season, and it was Dustin Martin, and I just got to revel in him. Uh, I, so were you like a were you a Dustin Martin fan pre grand final? I'm always kind of I'm ambivalent. It'd be really way know. it'd be way too hot of a take to say that I'm not a Dustin Martin fan. Like but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you all like I don't like. I, I don't see that there's anything not to like about him. I think he is one of the most artful, skillful, best-to-watch players. Um, every time he touches it, you know, it's worth three touches or whatever because um, what he does with it is so good. But I think just to, um, just to, to have just to have, walk away from that grand final with something so tangible, just to be able to be like, oh, yeah, he is, he is the greatest. Yeah, and it was also nice to see him do, like, an interview at the end of the game, which we don't ever really get um yeah i thought it was really cemented him he's the first player in afl to win three norm smiths which is something that i didn't realize until after he'd won it and that's hugely significant in the interview that he did at the post game next to dimmer they uh you can just you know the journos at the at the press conferences they're just really digging they're really trying to get any kind of <laughs> how you feeling dusty oh you know and he just always reverts back to how great the team is which you know they absolutely are. Great club, great team. Um, and, you know, they asked him, how, what, how's it feel to, you know, have three Norm Smiths? He goes, oh, I don't know how to feel. And then they said, oh, what's it like to have three premiership? He goes, that's the good one. That's the, yeah. that's the good one, which I really liked. I really, I, I think it's for a man a few words, it says a lot. And he doesn't really, he doesn't care about winning the Norm Smith. It's nice. It's good, isn't it? Like he is such a team first kind of player. Like it's, um, it seems like it's all about the team accolades as opposed to the personal ones. And, um, without him sounding super cliche in giving those kind of lines as well. He's a, an exceptional footballer and he's from Bendigo Pioneers as well. So you and I both <laughs> both love him even more because we're both from Bendigo. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. I mean, just add another reason why I love him. I yeah, exactly. Let's, um, let's jump into a quick break. We're going to be talking about what, what caught our eye over the weekend. I'd just say that it's probably 90% to do with the AFL. <laughs> You're on the sports desk with Tyler and Caleb. We'll be back in a sec. 
Welcome back to the Sports Desk. It's a Tuesday morning. You're with Tal and Caleb. We are recording on a Sunday night, getting it in nice and early, but uh, still recovering from the AFL Grand Final yesterday. The season that was, it's gone, never to come back again. Hopefully, hopefully we come back to back to normal season um, next year. We're just talking about what things we saw in the Grand Final, what caught our eye, other than pers- you know, other other than the actual game itself, because um, that's been talked to death. The pitch invaders, Caleb. They got a lot of airtime. Do you think it was strategic that they ran on while the ball was in the general vicinity? Because the camera lingered for yeah. a long time on the on the people that jumped on the field. Well, I was I was itching to find out what the pitch invaders like, whether it was a political message or not. So even though they did give them a lot of airtime, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't actually get to find out what their. I, like, I if they had I anything think, on their shirt or I reckon I reckon there may be potentially. They are Victorians living in Brisbane who just <laughs> really wanted to step on the MCG turf and they were just trying to get across yeah. to the turf that they dropped in on the side of the ground. And, you know, um, it's hallowed turf. It's hallowed oh, yeah. turf. I also heard a suggestion that it was um, Peter Volandis that ran on uh, the NRL CEO. Just hates AFL. So <laughs> it was him that streaked on. Um, another person it could have been, Tal, is potentially uh, an asylum seeker rights protester um to your point that you brought up with me the the post-game artists or band shepherd that mm. were playing have a interesting and pretty ugly backstory yeah it's 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 not something that i ever knew about mainly because i don't know or have any interest in the band shepherd mm-hmm. um but they are um yeah like you said interesting backstory they are all siblings they're all related uh who still live at home in their parents' multi-million dollar mansion. Sounds like it's a very nice place. And their parents have poured their life savings into their musical career, um, which I think, to stray briefly into into chatting about the art world, it's, it's you know, having some rich parents is really nice to be able to explore your art um, mm. because sometimes that stuff takes a fair bit of money uh, to get it off the ground, uh, which is that money's flowed their way. Their dad is the main driver. Uh, he's earned a fair bit of, fair bit of cash over the years, um, especially during his time as the director of Wilson Protective Services. Now, you may know them um, as the security staff uh, who are contracted to who were contracted to Manus Island. Um, and, you know, they're defunct now um, uh, from operating in, in that sphere. But while they were um, providing that security, uh, asylum, asylum seekers claim to have been beaten, uh, threatened with rape and tortured by Wilson's staff during his tenure as director. So I saw on my social media last night, uh, in between all the all the footy stuff, there was a lot about um, trying to shine a bit of a light on Shepherd and uh, and where their money comes from. Yeah, I think it's important to shine a light on it. Uh, the entertainment, a lot of people are saying that it was enhanced visually. It looked a lot better because it was a night grand final. Do you subscribe to that theory? Like, did you like? the night grand final as a whole do you see it as a bit more of an entertainment package or are you more of a traditionalist in the sense of play it at 2 p.m uh in the day i'm very much a traditionalist play it mm-hmm. at 2 p.m i think something that i am was just aware of when watching it yesterday is just the afl is very aware of all the levers that they can pull um surrounding the grand final to get people talking um whether that be who it's who's going to be um performing you know, yeah. who actually is in the grand final, um, you know, who's in the halftime sprint. There's all these tiny little things they're trying to do just to get chins wagging even even slightly more. Um, the entertainment, I'm just, to me, it's, it is not the reason why uh, yeah. 
it's not the reason why I, I, I watch the footy. And um, I think, yeah, like you were saying, it's you, they're trying to tell us it's what we want. Mm. Like, I feel like the AFL is just telling me, you want fireworks. You want bright flashing lights. You want it to be like the Super Bowl because how great is the Super Bowl? Do I want that, Caleb? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it it um, it raises the question of like, is the grand final entertainment or is it the best sporting match for the year? Like, I I think the latter. Like, I actually kind of like that it is at two p.m. or whenever in the afternoon, two thirty, and it is just that. Um, and I get that like the AFL is coming from this lens of like, if it's on at night time. It's going to be on more TVs and then you might get some people that maybe weren't as interested in the AFL being like, hey, who's this number four for Richmond, Dustin Martin? Yeah, like, he looks yeah. pretty impressive. Then you're growing the game a lot more. It's a, um, it's a, it's a slippery slope because, you know, in, in, in 20 years, you know, you know, turns an eyes on a tour and, you know, when she stops past Melbourne, she gets, a, she gets supported by St Kilda and the Dogs. And that, <laughs> that's her opening act. Like, this is, this is where it could go, all right? I just, want to, I just want to put the brakes on a little bit. Let's keep it about the footy, please. Can't flip it over. Uh, so maybe like a 5 p.m.-ish grand final. Like, a, like sorry, we're talking off air. Well, um, yeah, see, see, this is the thing. This is the thing. Mm-hmm. They take it to the – this is what you were saying. They, they take it to the extreme. Yeah. And then they, they they settle in the middle ground, which is what they wanted all along. They want a twilight grand final. And I, I have fallen into the trap of being like, yeah, sure, a, a twilight grand final. When I don't want a twilight grand final, I want it during the day. I want it during the day. It's like Titus O'Reilly had a great uh, – he tweeted out the other day that it's kind of like – a night grand final is kind of like getting woken up on Christmas and being told you're not allowed to open your presents yeah. until the next day or whatever. It's It's just – it's not fair. It was awkward, um, like, the whole day, just kind of sitting around waiting for the footy. And, you know, I, I, that's a great uh, metaphor, the uh, Christmas, Christmas <laughs> presents. Hey, let's jump into a break. Uh, we're going to talk about some of – a point that oh, – it was an article that I saw after this one from Shelley Ware in Footyology, but um, that's going to be coming up right after this song. You're listening to The Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb. Hello, you're listening to The Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb on this lovely Tuesday morning. We're recording this on a Sunday evening, and we are just continuing on from our conversation before the break about some things that caught our eye. And Tal, one that grabbed my attention um, in the lead-up to the grand final, it was in Footyology, it was written by Shelley Ware, and she brought up the point of whether the AFL, all AFL players on that list should receive a premiership medal. We see it in the NBA... Uh, We see it in the Premier League where all players, even if they don't play in the final game for the year, receive um, recognition for their efforts. Um, And I am pretty aware that we just spoke about why we shouldn't be following other sports like the Super Bowl um, and copying (laughs) them. But this one I kind of – she made some really good points, Shelley Ware, and and it was a really good article. Do you have a a perspective on it? Do you think that when when the Kangaroos eventually win it in 2021, where they all – 40 players or all players that have played in that season should receive a medal or just the 22 that played on the day? Yeah, it, it is really hard. And I think it's, I think there's a, there's a strong case for it. Mm-hmm. I think um, something that holds me back a little bit is I think it's like a, you always have to draw a line somewhere. And I think, yes, it's easy to say like all the players get it. Um, but then like, what about, you know, and, and the coach gets one. Yeah, you know, the coach will always get one. But what about the assistant coaches? And 
I think you can keep going down the line and it just becomes murkier as to where you can draw the line. Like, and you know, if, if you want to take it to an extreme in the, in the argument, would, uh, oh, okay. So maybe let's take it back to like 2012. What if there was someone who was a sub at the time? Remember the sub rule, mm-hmm. that archaic thing? What if someone <laughs> played one game for the year as a sub and played 20 minutes of a game and never played another game? Mm-hmm. Does that person deserve a premiership medal? No. Yeah, you make a good point. Uh, and, and and also just like when you're, you know, like, oh, yes, I, you know, you're telling your kids like, oh, dad, you've, you've, your mum, you've got a medal. And they're like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a premiership medal, but I'm not a premiership player. I'm, I'm just a, I'm a player and my team won, but I, I didn't, but I helped. I don't know. I'd like to, I like the sanctity of it. I like the sanctity of the medal. Yeah. She made a really good point uh, to just for the sake of, arguing with you um oh, please. so <laughs> the moment bob murphy 2016 that was a sweet moment then she went through a couple of other ones so Derek kickett in the 1993 grand final he was dropped the week before the grand final uh and then quit the club leon davis uh played 20 games for Collingwood throughout 2010 and then was dropped for the grand final replay um and then obviously this year so, like, a good example is Mabby Ochoal, who played throughout the season for Richmond while Basha Hooley and Shane Edwards were back in Victoria and they couldn't play. Um, and a lot would argue that Mabby Ochoal and some of the other players that couldn't play for Richmond uh, on Saturday night had a massive um, massive part to play in them making the grand final. Um, there's a line here. Both are wonderful and important players. This is Shane and Basher. Mm. And of course, absolutely deserve to be there playing in the grand final. But would they really have had the chance this week had less senior teammates not stepped in to the breach for them? So I think it's, uh, a, yeah. it's, it's an interesting... Uh, I think uh, I think just going back quickly to your to your point about Kickett, who got dropped the week before the grand final and, and left the club. I suppose it's about uh, how you value recognition. Do you think mm. if someone gave him a medal that he would stay? Because no, really, a medal right, is second. Yeah. A medal is secondary to playing on the biggest stage and feeling like you have been recognised as worthy enough to play on that stage. And um, while a medal is uh, a great piece of a, a great memory and a great token of of, of appreciation and um, you know something to present to the winners, um, yeah, I think it dilutes it a bit. Um, and and also, I think it's it's like with anything. All those players know that when they sign up to an AFL team, mm. there is a it's part and parcel of, um, you know, yeah, you, you may not make the grand final, and, and even if you do, there may be internal pressures, which mean you can't make the grand final as well. So, it's I suppose it's just another part of competition that, um, yeah, from from inside the club, not necessarily competition from other clubs as well. Yeah. Great call. Hey, one thing that also caught my eye um, from the weekend was Kate McCarthy, uh, St Kilda AFLW player. She put out a good tweet and said, does this finally mean that Richmond can afford a VFLW program? Um, For those that don't know, Richmond made the decision this year to scrap their VFLW program, saying that it wasn't financially reliable for them or liable. Um, And I don't know what the sum is that premiers win, but they do get like money for winning the grand final. So... Interesting to see whether they change their mind. Now, when we say should all, when we said all players should get medals, are we just <laughs> saying all players should get blank checks? Uh, <laughs> yes. I never, yes, I never knew that. I never knew that the winning team received a cash prize. Is that? Yeah, they do. So, um, I, I wish I knew what it was, but it's significant. Like it's, 
hundreds of thousands, if not a million. Do North Melbourne? Evicted. Do North Melbourne know about this? Because we could, <laughs> we could we could use that. They should get on this. Seems pretty easy money. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. Uh, a VFL and, and uh, Richmond have been very loud and proud recently about the fact that they have achieved their 10 year plan officially. They've met all their all their targets on on this weekend, but they also reduced their debt um, to to nothing. And I think they've got something like 26 million in in like liquid assets or something. I, I'm trying to use financial terminology That's here. Words, and bro. Thanks, man. Thanks, bro. So I, I, was, I, was at a, I was at an AGM lately. I uh, picked up a few things. Um, but it, it, they're, a, they're this, financially, they're one of the strongest uh, strongest clubs in the league. And yeah, the financial argument about AFLW, uh, it seems like it, it has some fallacies to it where, um, you know, it's, footy's more than just being about money. It's about nurturing talent and it's about providing stepping stones. And um, the Richmond uh, AFLW team sucks. So maybe they need a VFLW. <laughs> like, seriously, maybe train up your players a bit if you want to have some success in women's sport. Before we go into the break, that's just reminded me. So the AFLW, the draft's done, they all started their preseason training. I'm 99% certain that like the AFLW program, Richmond don't have a head coach at the moment. So they got rid of their coach after the last year because they didn't win a game but what is going on at richmond in their women's program for all the credit that they get in their men's <laughs> shit out in the women's <laughs> Great. hey uh we're gonna go uh into a break now but coming up after this uh we'll be chatting a little bit more about we'll be pivoting to rugby uh and some of the furor that's going down about the decision to take a knee or not to take a knee um in the upcoming Bledisloe cup uh that'll be right after this you are on the sports desk You are back on the sports desk. We are venturing into uncharted territory right now. We are discussing rugby. And no, <laughs> no, not the rugby league grand final, which is being played as we speak. Um, but just talking about the um, the stance of the Wallabies on whether or not they are going to take a knee. And uh, the former captain, Nick Fire jones had some interesting stuff to say. Uh, and it felt like he was speaking... He thought that he was speaking on behalf of all Australians, uh, and I don't, I don't know if he, if he really was, Caleb. Um, yeah, it's um, if you don't know, so um, Nick Far Jones, nineteen ninety one World Cup winning captain for Australia, uh, he was on two GB radio uh, being interviewed by Ben Fordham, and he was quoted as saying, "I don't think here in Australia that we have a major issue in relation to discrimination of coloured people," uh, and he said that. The Australians shouldn't take a knee in the third um, third Bledisloe Cup game, which has led to a number of discussions going on. Um, the coach, Dave Rennie, then came out and said, we're not looking to make a political statement, which was obviously met with commentary saying, not taking a knee is making a political <laughs> statement. It's all discourse. It's all discourse. <laughs> mm. Um, and one one thing that actually caught my eye, this is jumping out of the rugby realm to something that I am a little bit more familiar with, but um, we won't dwell on it for too long, but it was the Women's Big Bash League um, captain, so sorry, the England captain, Women's Big Bash League player, um, Heather Knight, I want to say. Um, yeah, Heather Knight. So she plays for the Hobart Hurricanes. She played for the Hobart Hurricanes. She's come across and she has said that she would like to see all of the games for the Women's Big Bash League take a knee before the game. But the thing that stood out for me was that 
this is someone from outside of Australia saying that she was inspired because she watched the Adam Goods documentary, The Final Quarter. Um, I was surprised by that in that I don't think that got picked up anywhere else. Mm. No one seemed to really talk about it, um, which I think is really interesting that someone outside of Australia is saying, I think it's an issue within this nation. Uh, and here we have an example of an ex-World Cup captain just going like, no, nah, it's not an issue in Australia, not here. Yeah, the 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 view that Australians have of themselves uh, is that we are this, uh, you know, again, to generalise, like, hey, we're, we're all right, we're mm. good. Yeah, some bad things happen, but it's, it's not so bad. It's it's pretty bad. And, you know, Scott Morrison earlier this year when the Black Lives Matter protests were um, kicking up over in America, quite pointedly said... Um, you know, you don't need to import those kind of ideas here. We don't we don't have those kind of issues, which is almost exactly the same as what Nick Farr Jones is saying. Mm-hmm. That in Australia we don't have a major issue in relation to discrimination of coloured people. Yes, we do. Um it yeah, it it takes an outsider's perspective, someone from England, to look at um Australia, which is, you know, the the destruction of colonialism on Australia. Um it takes someone from the outside to to point at that and go, Hey guys, this is not okay. Um and it, the taking a knee is something that is visual and it is going to like, you know, ruffle feathers with people like Nick Farr Jones, who is, you know, who thinks that 99% would agree that all lives matter, which is factually wrong. Yeah. Um, he also, he also went on to say that um, they shouldn't take a knee, um, but all stakeholders must be consulted if they were to take a knee. Uh, that is not how protest works like, <laughs> yeah. like like you don't you don't like you don't ask the oppressors like hey is it cool if we just like yeah protest is that all right like it's like the best kind of protests don't happen like that sure you can like go for a march in the city and like get the proper get the proper um rights to march or whatever but like so you don't disrupt traffic you can say whatever you want when you get up there on the stage exactly. it's supposed to be spontaneous it's supposed to grab people's attention and to just bureaucratically tick off boxes and to run it past through all the proper channels, which it will stonewall it because the NRL, sorry, the you know Rugby Australia isn't going to sign off on that because they're not into it. Like, um, Talk to me. Yeah. So there's been – so um, Rugby Australia have come back and they're mm. in what sounds like spin. They're turning all their attention to the new Indigenous jerseys that they'll be wearing for the third test. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all about celebrating the Indigenous culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we are all, we all, it's all in our blood, um, et cetera, et cetera. And we've seen this across myriad sport. So we've seen it in the AFL um, with their refusal to acknowledge that Mangrook, you know, is the traditional, so the AFL is based on Mangrook, but we see every year at the, um, Doug Nichols round, it's all about celebrating Indigenous culture, maybe not acknowledging that they could have done more for, for Adam Goods. Do you think that there is an issue with Sporting Codes taking the easy and less or the more comfortable option and just kind of yeah, parading around? The, you comfortable, know? Comes in a, comfortable comes in a large T-shirt with cool designs on it. <laughs> it's like a comfortable option because it's profiteering. Like it's... Mm-hmm. Um, it's this, uh, you know, we're all this this attitude of we're all in this together, when we're not. Like there are people that are still on the outer. Um, you see that from the discrimination that still takes place in Australia, and it's, um, yeah, it's easy. It's the easy solution to just say, oh, we're going to wear um, jerseys with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artwork on it for all the games, not just some of the games. 
what does that do other than yeah. make you look cool? Um, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't change anything. Yeah, it's great. It gives opportunities to um, Aboriginal artists. Uh, it gives them a platform, which is fantastic. And this should happen, but it should happen in conjunction with meaningful statements um, that are different to what's come before it. And if taking a knee um, has any kind of cut through, then that should happen. And if the players are on board, then it should happen. Yeah. And before, like, before we leave this segment, I think it's easy for us to sound like we're far just like typical lefties, self-flagellating, you know, talking about, you know, we, we have to acknowledge the atrocities that have been committed. But I think before you can celebrate um, the Indigenous or to celebrate Indigenous culture, you do need to acknowledge the, the atrocities that have happened um, as well. Mm-hmm. And continue to happen. 100%. Hey, we're going to be talking about some super netball right after this break. You are listening to the Sports Desk with Tal and Caleb. We'll be back in a sec. Hello, and you're listening to the Sports Desk. We're talking about super netball. You're with Tal and Caleb on this lovely Tuesday morning. Uh, and an article, Tal, that I saw throughout the week was in The Age uh, is that the super netball grand final that happened last Sunday, so two Sundays ago, uh, had a peak audience of 450,000, which was a raging success. Um, I watched it. I thought it was really awesome. Um, It was exciting. Obviously, I didn't have much else to do because I'm in Melbourne, um, and it was good to see a Melbourne team win, um, bring some success. But one thing that was interesting is that Netball Australia have come out and said that it is partially due to the super shot, which was Mm -hmm. the new rule that was introduced this year. it trialled it out in some Fast Five netball um, last year. There was controversy when they introduced it because it was it was introduced six weeks before the season started. And um, mm. I imagine some of the coaches would have probably had to change their game plans a fair bit. Um, there's also controversy because on the national level, they don't play with the super shot. So uh, some of the goal attacks and goal shooters uh, were not getting game time in super netball, um, but they were the key, key pillar for the Australian Diamonds. Um, but it's interesting now. We're seeing that it and, wasn't and a it's, it's, success. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I suppose that means it's going to be here to stay. Uh, it looks likely. Things. Yeah, yeah. It, I think um, from what I've read, it seems like fans are still a little bit divided, um, along with players as well. And you can understand why if, if you were an aspiring goal attacker, goal shooter, and you've had to change your whole game plan. Mm. Or, um, or, on the other, or on the other end of the spectrum, you are a 15-year veteran. And you got to teach an old dog new tricks, and that could be, that could be difficult. Um, it does. It does remind me of um, when T Twenty was just brought in, and you still mm. see like little bits of it today, where traditionalists just don't like. I mean, humans don't like change as a general rule, but we see it with old conservative um, sports fans where they don't like the shortened game, despite mm-hmm. the clear direction that it is being. I mean, sport in Australia is such a competitive market and they need to find new ways to break through. Um, I know as someone who was a bit of a fringe netball fan, I definitely, it pricked my interest when they brought in the new rule and I thought it was kind of cool. Just to explain, it's the last five minutes of the game, so it's got a, like a little bit of clutch factor about it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the hockey, hockey one league, they did a bit of a similar thing with... Um, so after a field goal was scored, they had a chance for a conversion, which was a one-on-one with the goalie. That was similar. It had mixed reviews from fans, but it did see some, a lot more of these like celebration moments. Yeah, um, yeah. 
uh, which, are, which are much easier, which are much easier to turn to gifts and little yes. you know 15 second clips and um highlight packages and and all that sort of stuff so even if they're not attracting the you know the biggest amount of viewers at least they've still got plenty of stuff to to pump out um on the social medias and and all the rest exactly of it. yeah aflx that um mm-hmm. what a it's quite like funny just kind of mention uttering the the acronym but that one didn't see as much success but i think it was a little bit doomed from the start as well it just um it was quite transparent that it was a bit of a money grab as well and there was so many other areas that the money would have been better spent yes yep um when you when you think about how costly that exercise was um and the fact that my club north melbourne they keep saying (laughs) we're gonna to tasmania uh when they probably could have just spent the money on like I don't know, supporting a local, uh, a long-standing Melbourne club that's going through a tough time. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be that would be better. Um, yeah, AFLX, and it's it's trying to appeal to you know the outside of Australia, you know, non-Australian markets. Um, which I would be interested to see how the Super Shop plays with uh, Nepal audiences um, in other countries as well. Mm-hmm. So um, New Zealand and uh, Fiji or England, or um, to see if it, you know. If we see it start to spread into those leagues, then it might uh, it might give us a bit more of an idea of whether it's uh, successful or not. Yeah, there hasn't there's not too many sports left that haven't had an abridged version or like a an iteration made of it. But I thought we could potentially start thinking about T20 lawn bowls. Ooh, yeah. Try and bring in the younger crowd, uh, make it a little bit more highlights orientated. I I can see I can see you I can see you selling this as uh, darts. What darts? You know, you know those highlights of the dart world championships. Yeah, when it's shh, it's a pub. What, like people throwing chairs at Eddie Hudson yeah. Stadium or whatever yeah. a couple of years yeah. ago. <laughs> that looked I think pretty fun. Lawn bowls, lawn bowls needs a dart style revamp. Yeah, and maybe like I think maybe you could rig the balls with small amounts of like um, contact, not explosives, but like fireworks. So when you know when you have a bit of contact, pew, lights going off. Yeah, it's, it's it'll be good. It'd be good. Like we love fireworks. Like, yeah, and fully like ball tampering is legal. Um, get some like some sunscreen on the balls. Get some in swing. You can tamper with other people's <laughs> on balls. Um, I'd love to see like T twenty polo. So instead of playing on horses, maybe they play on like cheetahs or something that's just like ridiculous. Oh, quick. The other way, my mind went to Shetland ponies just for like a <laughs> version of the game. <laughs> let's uh, let's wrap this up, Tal, and let's yeah. Um, Let's kick it. What's happening this week in the sport? We've got the Women's Big Bash that was meant to start to... Wait a minute. Tonight. Sorry, sorry. Wait. The AFL season's done and there's still more to talk about? No, it's weird. <laughs> We're going to be scrambling next Sunday. <laughs> Get ready for some avant-garde sports broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> what is sport? The Sports Desk investigates next week. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we should just pivot to um, chatting about desks. Um what? Yeah, maybe we should just turn this into a desk show. Uh, on um, uh, what's your like preferred desk? Do you like standing or because I've got like a twenty-minute tirade that I can go on how seated desks are better than standing desks. You are a traditionalist uh, when it comes to desks. Clearly, clearly. Would you take an adjustable desk? Yeah, I'll take it on. This, like, uh, we should compromise. Caleb, I think actually, let's just zip this. Let's make this Patreon only because we can't be given <laughs> we can't be given away desk chat for free. <laughs> too good all right uh, let's wrap it up 
it's good to chat here. You can catch you well. the Sports Desk tomorrow on Wednesday, 9 to 10, Friday, 9 to 10, and you can listen to all of the old episodes on any of your podcasting services. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're not very active on there, but, yeah, you can still catch us on there. See you next week. Yeah, the Sports Desk.